thank you so much for being here today with me, Dr. Gonsolin. I'm, I'm honored that you're taking the time to talk to me about your operation and what you have going on as one of our AGA certified producers. And of course, tell people how to get your hand, their hands on your wonderful products at the end of the day. So um, why don't you start off by introducing yourself and telling me a little bit about the history of Gonsolin Landing Cattle. Thanks, Mike, for the invite. I appreciate it. Um, so we have a very rich history uh, here at the ranch. Um, our brand was uh, um, um, first used in 1787. Uh, uh, the first Gonsolin came from France as a land surveyor, and he was given property uh, for surveying a lot of South Louisiana. And part of the ranch is still on some of that property that was given to him uh, in the early, in the late 1700s. Um, so we, uh, the F2 uh, was registered in the Atakapa district, which is uh, 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 South Central Louisiana at that time frame, And we have been using that brand since then. Um, we have been predominantly a, a cow-calf operation um, with, uh, we have had meat processing um, and, and butchers uh, throughout the family history uh, over the last several centuries, as far as that goes, time frame. And, um, you know, in, when I graduated vet school in 94, I came back to the ranch uh, to look at trying to do something other than cow-calf. And we continued with cow-calf for a little while. And then in about 2004, 2005, um, we, we tried to look at maybe developing a niche market. Um, and at that time frame, there were a lot of buzzwords with natural, uh, you know, local, um, organic, grass-fed, all those things were coming to uh, known uh, as words that people were trying to use to promote their products. And in looking at all the different ways it could be done, the only group at that time that was offering third-party verification was the American Grass-Fed Association. You could call yourself Organic Joe, and sell your product as organic, but nobody was regulated if you were organic uh, or natural or anything else. But the AGA actually sent a veterinarian down here uh, to go over our program and to make sure what we were saying we were doing, we were doing. So we liked that because we could utilize it as a third party verification and use it for marketing. Um, so we, we went ahead on the grass fed line because grass fed is not that much different than what we've done Previously, um, the few things that we had to change weren't deal killers at all. Uh, feeding processed grain, uh, using antibiotics, um, or using hormones. Uh, we got a real good herd health program, so we, we don't have to use a lot of antibiotics. Um, and, and so it, it fit our niche. And we started doing that in 05, became an uh, AGA member, I think in 06. And uh, we've been an AGA member since. Um, so that's kind of a little bit of history of what we have been doing. So you touched on two things there that I find very important. One of them being the, the organic, right? The, the, in the, when people were trying to, they were trying to label their products as organic, but there was no verification for that. And you still have that going on in the market today, right? With the, with, with the grass fed word, especially, you know, right. USDA, all they need right now is an affidavit to be able to claim that they have grass-fed products, just a piece of paper with their signature on it, claiming they're doing things a certain way, where 
farmers that are subscribed to the AGA label or, or that are certified by the AGA label are, are, are actually following a strict set of standards and guidelines to ensure that that product is truly grass-fed from weaning into harvest, which is, I, I think that, that shows a lot. That's really important. The definitions are still stand to this day as an issue. Um, another thing you talked about was that you had to switch a few things, right, with your operation to be able to transition into this, but it was surprisingly easy to make those couple transitions. Do you want to tell, like, can you talk to me a little bit in detail about that and how that might, you know, for producers that are on the line, if, if they're being able to do the AGA program or not, is this something that was a pain or, or what, what were some of the changes? It was it was very easy in, in our process because if you're coming from a cow-calf operation, unless you're uh, creep feeding the calves and things like that, it, it I mean, we don't use lick tubs. I mean, we, you, you have to rely heavily on hay. Uh, this time of year in South Louisiana, we planted ryegrass and, and mother nature is always a deal killer on that deal. You can sometimes graze early, sometimes you can graze late. You know, so a lot of producers will rely on lick tubs and protein supplements and things like that. Um, we just go ahead and get, uh, instead of buying protein supplements and lick tubs and things that we can't use, we just buy alfalfa uh, and put them on that. And it's a better, it's a better source than anything else. So you have to kind of change your, your, um, your setup a little bit, but not much at all. Um, and the benefits on the other side far outweigh it by going through the direct marketing and all those things. I mean, unless you are, 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 are just in a cow-calf operation and selling all your cows to feedlots, that's a different story. But if you want to have a, a little bit of a niche and branch off some of those animals to do a, a local grass-fed operation, you can do that very easily. Well, from the guidelines that you got to follow. It's, it's not hard to do. It just changes your mindset a little bit. So um, it, it wasn't hard for us to do the transition at all. And, and you're a doctor, you're a veterinarian, of, you know, animal health, right? And, and yeah. you know probably better than most why AGA standards are important for an animal's health. You know, and I think it's a it's a powerful statement that you chose the AGA certification as a veterinarian, and that it has to do with animal health. So, can can you expand on that a little bit and why that's important? The angle that we we took is that you know if you're not going to use antibiotics, right? If you if if the only reason you have to use drugs is if you have sick animals. Uh, if you have a good herd health program in place you're going to decrease that tremendously to where you're hardly using those drugs for that reason. So, you know, you come at it from the, from the, from the I guess, from the reverse angle and, and say, if you have a good herd health, herd health program, it going to AGA standards is very easy. Um, you know, the, um, uh, from, a, from the antibiotic standpoint, from the hormone standpoint, you know, uh, we do have to wait a little bit longer for our grass-fed animals to reach that weight category. Um, and I always tell clients that we are consistently inconsistent on a grass-fed model because we haven't found, and, and some people might disagree, the best breed of cattle that produces the best beef on grass. Everybody has their own idea of shorthorn, Dexter, this, that, whatever. But, you know, I think mother nature has it right. We're the ones screwing it up. Uh, I think all cattle uh, have the ability to uh, flesh out very well on grass. Some are going to take a little bit longer than others, but you got to be willing to wait to do that. And if you can do that, then the, the um, you know, 
the hormone thing goes away completely because we don't have to artificially influence the weight gain. Just give it more time. Um, so, you know, I, 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 again, from a veterinary standpoint, it makes you do a herd health program where in other system situations you might not want to. You might want to rely heavily on drugs to take care of some of the things you might have missed. Um, on the grass-fed program, we can't do that because if you have a year or a year and a half of time into an animal and he gets sick and you have to start him on antibiotics and he gets kicked out the program, you lost all the, the benefit of, of any production you can have on it. He has to go to the sale barn and you're going to lose on that deal every day of the week. So. So, and thank you for the, for the answer. That was a really thoughtful answer. So continuing, you know, raising grass fed cattle, it's difficult. It's time consuming. Obviously you got to wear a lot of hats. I know you're, it's a, it's a busy, busy process. You know, what makes you passionate about what you're doing raising grass fed cattle? I guess the biggest thing is, is to provide a local healthy source of food to my friends and family. Um, when we started out on the grass-fed model, you know, we were just going to, our goal was just to produce calves and sell around the house. If we sell two or three a month, something like that, 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 that that's a doable thing. That was fine. That was our goal. We, we didn't have any big goals to be larger than that, to be honest with you. Um, but that was our main reason was to be able to produce a local product locally for people who can come and buy and you know, they don't have to worry about um, food chain issues um, and, and they could come and pick out their calf if they wanted to, um, to be, you know, in their freezer in seven days. We can offer a fresh, the freshest product anywhere as far as that goes. Um, so that, you know, we're passionate about being able to produce a high quality protein source for our friends and family. Now, I noticed that you know, you got, I mean, you have had the AGA certification for a long, long time now, like you told me since 2005 or 2006. So do you think that that makes your product stand out? I know there's been obviously a lot of interest in the general grass-fed market increase over the years, but do you think that logo makes a difference to consumers at the end of the day? Yes. And we stand, we, we utilize that very heavily uh, by letting uh, consumers know that we're not just saying we're grass-fed, we're certified. Uh, and no one else that are outside the grass, the, the, the AGA can say that. Um, because now there's, they're starting to have grass-fed product available in stores, but they're grass-fed for, you know, three months. Or they, you know, they, they, they grass-fed all their lives and then they're grain-fed for three months, you know. So there's, there's a lot of people jumping on the grass-fed bandwagon. Um, and it's interesting because when grass-fed first came out, um, there was a lot of pushback from uh, the National Cattlemen's Association um, um, with, you know, um, and feedlots and packers and everybody saying, oh, this is a fad. This is not going to do anything. Don't worry about it. Then all of a sudden, you're starting to gain the market share. Now, all of a sudden, all those entities are trying to produce grass-fed beef because they see it's a huge, the consumer wants it, you know? Um, so it's kind of interesting how that has kind of changed, but now everybody wants to call themselves grass-fed. 
Um, but being AGA certified, we can show them exactly why we are. And, and, and again, with that certification, we use as a marketing tool, which I strongly suggest anybody who's trying to get into the grass fed business to, to seriously co consider getting AGA certification. Thank you. Thank you for those lovely comments about AGA. Um, so you guys have been around since 1787. I mean, uh, farming, ranching, it's, it's ingrained in your DNA. What, what are some lessons that you've learned on the ranch over the years that apply to maybe not just the ranch, but even outside of that? Boy, there's so many, <laughs> you know, um, in our, in our, in, in, in the, our biggest thing is preparation. I think um, that we've learned, especially going to strictly a grass-fed beef operation, preparation to, if the sun's out today, do what you can today because it might rain tomorrow. Uh, Mother Nature uh, runs the roost on a grass-fed beef operation. If there's no water, there's no grass. If there's no sunshine, there's no grass. If there's too much water, there's too much mud. You know, all those variables tend to be things that we are, uh, have to deal with. And if you can prepare, you know, we have a calendar on the wall that we go by, we know, you know, each week of the year, what we have to do compared to what was done last year. And every year we get a little bit better, uh, about preparing the ranch to, um, take on weather conditions. You know, um, you know, we get a doggone hurricane down here. We can't plan for those guys, but we do what we can. Um, but as far as the winter weather goes and rain and all those things, preparations is a big thing that we have learned over the last years um, to make sure we don't overlook. Um, and again, if, if we can do it today, we're going to do it today. Let's not wait till tomorrow because you never know what tomorrow might bring. Uh, rain, broken down tractor, uh, something else to where you can't do what you want to do. Um, so we, 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 pride ourselves, I guess, on a, a, a good herd health program and a good ranch program to where we know where we're going each day of the week. So maybe the most important question in the whole podcast, where can we get your hands, get our hands on your products? <laughs> well, we, we have a, a store here at the ranch that we sell our product to. Uh, we sell at, um, at uh, I'm sorry, we sell at um, the, um, uh, our local farmers markets in Baton Rouge and Lafayette. We were in New Orleans pre-COVID, but since COVID have came, unfortunately, we, we lost the salesmen there, but we had a heavily presence in the city of New Orleans. Unfortunately, the state of Louisiana does not have a uh, federal kill plant, which does not allow us to sell outside the state. We have just state inspected facilities. So we would love to sell our product we do sell our product online, but it can only be bought in the state of Louisiana. We can't sell it outside the state of Louisiana, which is unfortunate. And we've been working with that deal for years to try to get it to get switched over as far as trying to get a, a USDA plant in the state of Louisiana. But we don't have enough people pushing the issue to make it happen. So I don't know when that's ever going to happen. But um, our, our ranch store does very well. Uh, we sell quarters, halves, and holes. Uh, we sell vacuum pack uh, frozen uh, individual cuts. Um, so we promote a lot of those things online, uh, uh, works very well for us. Uh, we do some, some radio advertising, but our online presence is a lot more, uh, I think, cost effective uh, for what we do. And um, so, you know, um, 
that's where they can get it from and hopefully they'll keep buying it as long as we keep producing it you know i know that they will so you heard it here folks if you are living in louisiana and you want to get your hands on some fresh grass-fed meat raised in the usa in your very own state um, i'm going to put some information on the screen here you can get in contact with uh dr gonsolin here and order some of the best beef in the usa uh, Dr. Dr. Gonsolin, I really, really appreciate you getting on here with me and taking the time with me today and working through all our technical difficulties. You did a wonderful Mike, job. Mike, th thank you so much.